This is the Car Religion Podcast. This is a show where we share our passion and perspective for cars. New and old. Fast and slow. Affordable and expensive alike. I'm your show host, George. And I'm your other show host, Andrew. Let's Let's get get started. You know what I was looking at earlier uh, tonight? was I was, you know, as usual, browsing through AutoTrader. I did not realize you can get a low-mileage 2007 Shelby GT500 Mustang for around 30000 Canadian dollars. That is incredible. Have you heard how that card sounds? Like, with the supercharger whine, you know, the first-gear chirps going off the line when you floor that thing. Like... Why isn't this talked about more? I mean, I'm not going to claim to be, you know, uh, a Mustang aficionado. I don't know everything there is to know about Mustangs. But from the little bit that I know, that's a lot of car for the money. Uh, Shelby GT500, the the earlier uh, versions of it for the S. What, what version of the Mustang is that? The S? Uh, S97? Is yeah. That, is that what the, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, the earlier versions of that Shelby make incredible amounts of power for yeah, that's barely any money. Like, what do you get new for thirty five grand? You can't. You can barely get a GT, like a brand new GT, right? Like Mustang GT, and that's just a naturally aspirated V eight. Just yeah, like you, you have to go forty k for for a Mustang GT brand new, right? So, yeah. wow, yeah. I, <laughs> That's that's a performance bargain if uh, if you're looking to go fast in straight lines and sound really 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 good. Yeah, and with all the pops and crackles, right? Like I'm sure it's definitely a car that can get you in trouble very quickly, and it's a it's a ticket machine, right? If you will. But um, but yeah, for sure. And you know what? Before we jump into uh, you know our main part of our show i just want to kind of shout out to um our instagram account uh at religion.car if you haven't already followed us please do so and uh, feel free to message us um with any topics that you would like to hear yeah yeah topics news cool cars to talk about uh we're up for it all and uh speaking of uh topics and news george uh you have seen that new uh, 4 Series, the pictures of that new car, haven't you? I didn't get a good look at it because when I first glanced at it, I threw up in my mouth. So <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that on so many levels. And I know that this is something that a lot of people had said. So it's not new if you pay attention to uh, automotive news, but... My God, man, that thing is ugly. I don't know what's going on at BMW. Some of their designs have been lacking a little bit, you know, going a little bit downhill with the new 7 Series, new 5 Series that just look all blingy and chromey with the, the, you know, what we thought were big kidney grills back then. Mm. And then this 4 Series just got shown off and it's it's blown all of those other designs out of the water all those other kidney grills not in a good way no (laughs) not at all and the worst part 
is that uh, there's there's some guy on the internet. Uh, it was posted on Drive Tribe, uh, which is the uh, the Top Gear trio, or I should say the Grand Tour trio. It, it's their new sort of car website. Actually, it's not even that new anymore. Some guy posted a picture that he had photoshopped a much smaller version of the kidney grills onto the front of this car and it just it looks so so much better like i can't i can't express it in words it just looks proper it looks like what a bmw should look like it just looks like a better coupe version of the new three series and yet here we are they've got those huge grills on the front of that new four series and andrew don't even get me started with design right like Honestly, if you look back at like e, the E92, uh, like I'm talking 2006 to say 2011, right? And that, that's honestly, that turnaround, BMW did an excellent job on design, like their design inside and out, right? Performance is on par, right? Design, exterior looked beautiful, subtle, but elegant, yet like sophisticated, right? Um, interior was so simple. It's like simple, but luxurious right like it's everyday luxury that you can you know uh, take advantage of it's something that's homey but it's a nice place to be right just enough wood accent like right the layouts driver focused right manual transmission right and if you look at the newer design now what what happened man i understand the angel eye like all that stuff i like that like right like in the later years the refresh it looked really really good but then I think they just kind of lost it a bit, right? Like even in the, I think they call it the F30, right? The F30 uh, 3 Series. So in that generation, honestly, sure, the exterior still looked pretty good. Um, interior didn't really do it for me. Like, it's okay. Like it was, you know, I can see it as, as a quote-unquote improvement of the E92. But I think it's just a little bit too techy like too like you know plasticky almost right because of all the buttons and you don't need that when you have an ultimate driving machine it's to drive driver control steering control you know traction control that's all you really need maybe suspension right put it in sport right but why do you need like a hundred thousand buttons right in a car yeah and you know then even the, the new new three series even the new bmws right and you look inside it's like what am i looking at Right, like I, I lost the character. That's uh, that's, that's how I feel. It's all about the tech these days, you know. They've they've all they've all got these big screens and and buttons everywhere, and and everything is controllable. BMW has shifted a lot towards their techie side, and I guess they've decided that that's where they're uh, they they want to take the brand. You know, they're they're not going for that whole ultimate driving machine. Uh, thing anymore and if you watch reviews on the internet that's it's it's prevalent you can tell uh from what these reviewers are saying about the cars they're not what they used to be to drive but they are full of tech and i mean don't get me wrong you know cars like the new m5 are very very quick it's very very good at being a fast sedan that's comfortable and full of technology but it's not the analog machine that BMWs used to be. And maybe that's a reflection on the automotive industry as a whole, where things are headed in general. You know, cars are being less 
and less analog every day, right? You don't even get real handbrakes anymore. They're just some kind of little, it's like your window switch, but it's got a light on it that tells you when the parking brake is on. You don't, you don't even have to operate those manually anymore. So maybe it's just a reflection on uh, current design trends. But it's so, you know, fair enough. Fine. Tech is a big thing. And of course, you know, BMW wants to be at the forefront of that. And that's fine. I remember seeing some kind of statistic uh, earlier this year that said something like 40% of the cost of a new car is put into just like the technology and the computer and the electronics that, that are in it, which is a huge, huge amount of cost if you think about it. And yeah, okay, so maybe maybe that's where the industry is going. And we shouldn't fault BMW for trying to be at least on the curve, if not ahead of it. But I can't excuse what they're doing to the outside of these cars. That's just, I, <laughs> you got to look up a picture if you have not seen it. And I'm sure you have. Uh, we'll post a picture of it definitely on Instagram if if you're wondering. But wow, it's just it's just ghastly. I I I don't know how somebody would look at that car and just call it beautiful. There's no way. I'm I'm totally echo- echoing uh, with what you're saying, Andrew. And I'm sure, like from you know what you mentioned earlier with interior, I'm sure they have research, consumer research, and all the data that backs up you know consumer preferences. And that's fine. Sure. Okay. Like, whatever. Like, car enthusiasts are, like, a small portion of the buyers, right? Okay, understood. But from an exterior standpoint, like, it doesn't look good, though. Like, it's not even, it's not even, like, I can see the different perspective is, like, how it can look good. It doesn't. The grill doesn't look good, man. And that's a face of a car. The face and the rear end are for me to me is the two most important you know proportion that you need to get right and it's not right like and I, honestly i from bmw designing standpoint i think we chatted about this a couple days ago like you know the supra and the z4 same car so forth and so on i prefer the supra better like but that being said the z4 is still right now right the best looking bmw in the mar- and it's not even that good looking. No, and it's that's not. the sad part, right? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, it, come on, guys. All I can say, like, maybe it's just us. Maybe we are weird, but I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe follow our Instagram, and uh, we can have it. We can all have a discussion uh, in the comments. You know what's funny though, George, is that the general uh, sentiment among most people who care about cars and review cars and write about cars, follow the industry, they have the same opinion uh, that, you know, the grill does not look good. Uh, the new M4 is kind of ugly. But BMW says that they have the data to back it up. Customers want bold, large grills on their cars somehow they've they've figured out that that's what people want and uh, i mean wow you they'll tell you that they've done the research and that that's where it's going and you know i I, they aren't the only ones who are making big grills and in fact they're kind of late to the game for making huge grills on their cars right i mean God, what was it? Lexus started doing it back, um, you know, like 10 years ago almost now. And they started pumping out these cars with huge grills. But everybody 
hated on those. And I, and they actually toned them down as the cars um, sort of matured into their into their designs. But grills are just getting bigger and bigger and and faker. You've got these huge grills on cars, and half of them are blocked off. You know, it's it's one of those just new car design trends that I don't get it. I don't understand. And maybe it's just because you know the customers do actually want them to look a certain way, and they don't care if it's fake. But wow, it's gotten to a point now where BMW has made. A really big mess of their kidney grills, which are just a, a signature special part of any BMW. They've all got these kidney grills, and now they've ruined it. And injured, like from an engineering perspective, right? A grill is functional, supposedly. It's for the radiator, right? It's for allowing airflow into the radiator to cool the engine. Correct? Show me a show me a diagram. I don't, th there's no way your intercooler is that, it's that shaped, right? It's in that size. You don't need that, right? Like, ah, I don't know, Andrew. I'm just kind of upset because, you know, people are excited about the new 4 Series, right? Like, it, there's been hype and to me, I think it's, it's a disappointment. Yep, yep. And I mean, only time will tell. Maybe that thing is going to be just fantastic, uh knock your pants off to drive, but it, it's ugly. There isn't getting, like, you can't get around that fact. So, uh, it, but you know what? There are other design trends going on right now in the industry that I I, I find also ugly or, or silly looking. And it just seems to be, you know, something that's that's happening nowadays. They just, there are these, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, silly and ugly looking things that automakers are doing like um those those floating roofs they do a lot of those at nissan actually you know oh, at the at the yes. back where they they've got the black portion of the of the c pillar that goes and then it just looks like the window continues into the trunk you know people like it <laughs> apparently i mean you're not fooling anybody you know it's not a floating roof but even aston martin has gone on their db11 and thrown that you know like floating roof thing at that db11 is a beautiful car but i i can't get over that silly floating roof design thing at the back because it, you're like you're not fooling anybody. Just make a, a nice line on the roof that looks good. You don't have to be lazy and just make it look like it's cut out. Oh, man. it's so They're trying to do something different. And you know what? With that design, though, it's easier to have a two-tone exterior. Just make it a black roof. They do that. Yeah. But the cake, if you like the Don't kicks, make it you float. Cakes, they have the white roof. They have right, like I know they're trying to be mini with the with the kicks, trying to give you all the the customization stuff on it. And the Nissan kicks is cute. It's um, honestly for what it for its purpose. It's well built. I I like the kicks. Yeah, yeah. You've um, actually driven one, right? I prefer I prefer the kicks over say a Rogue. That's just me. Yeah, fair enough. Like fair for enough. me, I don't need a Rogue, and you know if I need a transportation uh like a car to get me from point a to point b period kicks it's fine fair enough it's fine yeah yeah i mean you know what i i don't want to be uh just complaining the entire time you know I, I don't want to uh just hate on on modern cars because the truth is in this era we drive the most reliable 
best equipped, yes. uh, best value, um, you know, per dollar. Like we, we live in such a good era for cars. And actually, like I, I think it's really hard for automakers right now to make improvements to things like style and interior design and exterior design and features because if you look at a car from five years ago, they are so good and they're so full of everything you need that it's hard to then make a car that's the next version that's somehow better in, in most ways at least. It's really hard to beat a five-year-old car nowadays because five years ago, they're making really good cars and they're really complete, right? So now automakers have to go in and they've got a difficult job. Somehow they've got to make, you know, BMW had to go and make their 4 Series look different and new and futuristic. And they've, you know, BMW design language has evolved. You know, there haven't been sort of any revolutions over the years. It's always been sort of a slow evolution of the same design language. And it's done really well, but they're they're trying to take it somewhere. And so I kind of understand them trying something new. I think they got it totally wrong, if that wasn't obvious already. But it's it's a really hard job to redesign these cars. You see a lot of different automakers who are kind of stuck in a rut with either the same designs that they used to have or they try stuff that's completely different and it looks worse. Like George and I were talking today about the new Audis that uh, like the new A4 and stuff. Yeah. And they've got the weird plasticky matte looking chrome stuff on the front and the lights are all really complicated and they have the the blinkers that that light up all the way along in the direction you're turning. And it's just, it's too much. They, they've way, way overdone those designs. But, you know, Audis... Five-year-old Audis look so good that how are you going to make them look better? And so I kind of I kind of understand the, the dilemma. You know, what do you think, George? Honestly, I agree with you. And you know what? For me, like, so I think we talked about this, but I recently I've been really looking to the B8 Audi S4. Yes. As my next vehicle. I'm just doing research at this point. It, it won't be for another few months, if anything. But if you look at that car, right? Um, you know, from a performance standpoint, it's everything you would need in a daily. That's correct. Quattro, real Quattro, all-wheel drive, right? Yep. Um, we have a supercharged German V6 yep. injection, right? We're putting like around 330 um, at the crank uh, from the factory with the, with the six-speed manual, right? With the 997-inspired interior. Like, okay, so, so you say, okay, it, misses, it, it doesn't have tech. Right, you go on AliExpress. You can get us this module for three hundred dollars. It goes right underneath the infotainment system. You can still control the info system as it does. You just hold the media button for three seconds, and it goes to wireless Apple CarPlay. What more do you need? Nothing. You don't need anything more. And that is what I don't. <laughs> this gives me. There's another complaint actually here. You're 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 bringing this up. I love those old uh, A4s, S4s. Those cars are amazing. And you and I have talked for years about how that's the best looking mm. A4. You know, yeah. that was the peak. And they've now gone downhill for, you know, the reasons that I, I was just talking about. I kind of understand that it looks worse because it looked so good. And you somehow have to try and make it better. But 
On the topic of Apple CarPlay, you know, these automakers spend all this time trying to make these infotainment systems and do all this tech and make it all fancy. And at the end of the day, you all you need is just Android Auto, Apple CarPlay in the car. And most people are going to be able to use it. It's going to be better. It's going to look like their phone. So even people who aren't that great with tech are going to be able to handle it. And then you've got companies like BMW, because today is just hate on BMW day, I guess. And they go and they charge you something crazy like $300 a year to use your Apple CarPlay. Like you subscribe to it at BMW. But I have an iPhone though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. BMW does not care. They charge you a subscription fee to use Apple CarPlay in your new BMW that you just spent. I don't know how much money you spent on that, but it's definitely going to be a lot. Isn't that crazy? Uh, Or you can just get a 2011 B8 S4 and spend $300 one shot and get wireless Apple CarPlay. You know, I just I, I just hope that we don't see other automakers reverting to this stupid subscription service for stuff like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto because, oh my goodness, like I know it's a great uh, business proposition because you can charge customers every month, but come on, man. You know what? On the topic of subscriptions, I think, have you heard like, you know, Cadillac and Lincoln, I think Lincoln does it. The, the subscription service where uh, you can get a new car from the lineup every three months uh, with like a package. Have you heard? Have you heard about it? might just be in specific test areas in the U.S. Uh, for now, but I think they're piloting that. Um, how do you feel about that? I think it's an interesting concept Uh, and you'll actually find uh, subscription services for car lineups in uh, places like Europe uh, where Porsche actually does it, Volvo does it uh, in certain regions, but it's always very limited uh, in terms of geography and they're trying it out. I can see that kind of thing working for sort of future mobility strategies where you've got different EVs. uh, And so you basically, all of your cars, like let's say you're an automaker and you make a bunch of different cars, but they're all pretty much the same electric skateboard platform. And so they all drive the same. They all, you know, are built relatively the same, but you've got some that are different sizes uh, or have different features. Right. And so, you know, you're you're uh, you do pretty well for yourself and, um, you know, you've got a, a family cottage. And so every day when you're commuting to work, you just need a little car uh, that's that's, you know, can hold its charge all day and stuff and, and park in a in a downtown parking spot. But then every now and then you take your family up to the cottage. And so you need to go and just swap your little commuter car out for uh, a larger SUV, van, whatever you want. And then you can fit, you know, your kids and your dog in the back and your surfboards on top and take it out to the cottage or the lake or the ocean, whatever. So I see these subscription services working in certain situations. I think it makes sense, Uh, but it's definitely not going to be for everybody. And it definitely doesn't make sense for a lot of automakers. Uh, And you might, you're going to have to be careful about 
cars that are being driven by different people uh, losing their value really quickly, right? It's like when an automaker leases cars at really, really low rates. And so they start losing money because now, you know, with the way the lease works out, the, the selling price of the car is now, you know, higher than what it's actually worth. And so the automaker starts losing money. You've got to make it work uh, from a standpoint for the automaker uh, and find a price that works for consumers as well. And so I do think it's a strategy that could work, but, uh, you know, you're going to have to find people that actually use it enough uh, and will pay whatever the price is that you're actually setting for it. Uh, wh what do you think, George, of these like subscription services? Yeah, I, I think I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think it's a, it's a really cool concept in a sense where, you know, it's kind of like future of a mobility in one way, right? But I think it needs to adapt to the current environment. I just think that concept is still a little bit too early for uh, the way, you know, we think about cars right now, right today. But then I think maybe, you know, five, 10 years from now, um, I think like the auto industry as a whole, there's, there's a theory where the future of mobility is when people don't really own their own cars anymore. I think that's a concept that people have been talking about for a few years now. And I think it will work really, really well in that scenario where, you know, you have your your lineup out there and maybe it's contract out by a company or something like that right and then you kind of uh it's a collaboration between you and um, the future of car rental if you will but then at that point you know there's more options for consumers to drive try different vehicles um maybe they only have a car when they need a car if that makes sense because you know personally for me when I drive my car to work, like when I commute, that car is idling for hours of a day. Like, I would say like six, seven hours of the day, right? Right, it's not in use. It's exactly, it, during prime time, during working hours and, you know, and then there's hundreds, hundreds of thousands of cars on the road every single day while there are cars idling, right? Where you can utilize technically, right? And then I think that's kind of the theory that People are, you know, exploring and talking about, but I think it will be a great, great way uh, at that at that point. Right now, I don't think it's that feasible. It's a cool concept. It's cool to, you know, test and learn and to see what the impact and what the feedback um, feedbacks are from the consumers. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, concept of having, you know, an idle vehicle that's not being used and, and taking advantage of it, right? Because there are, um, you know, there are services like Turo out there that have started up where if you're not driving your car uh, normally all the time, you can you can rent it out to people and, and things like insurance and, and stuff like that are all handled. And so you can actually make money off of uh, your car not being in use. Which, which is a cool concept. Uh, and then if you want to talk about um, a different model completely, uh, you know, other, other side of the picture, you've got guys like Elon Musk who are basically just like, eh, you know what? Once there are enough Teslas out there, we're just going to have a robo-taxi fleet. Nobody's going to own a car. 
you just uh, summon something on your phone. It'll show up at your house, take you wherever you want, and then go get its next passenger. And so, you know, that's another vision for the future of mobility where nobody drives, nobody owns a car, everybody just uses this big network. And I guess, you know, if you if you think about moving around a dense urban uh, city, something like that makes sense. But there are points where you want to go far or go on a vacation and park your car there and have it there whenever you need or leave a bunch of stuff in your car when you're doing stuff. So, you know, none of these systems are perfect yet. And I'm not sure that the whole subscription to a whole car lineup model is going to work when it's being run by the automakers themselves. Uh, perhaps there needs to be a, a different company that comes in and actually changes the business model as, as sort of their innovation. But it's, it's a really interesting concept. And it honestly makes me a little bit sad uh, because, you know, the sense of ownership of a car, you know, no matter what it is, it could be a Hyundai Accent, right? It, it could be whatever, you know, couple hundred dollars I scrounge together to, to buy a car. You, you're proud of that car. And, you know, most people are really proud to own a car and have something that they can call their own, that they can customize and... And, and drive wherever they want, do whatever they want, show off, take pictures of, no matter what it is. And so I'm not sure that that's going to die. And I really hope that maybe even if there is a future where robo-taxis ferry us around 95% of the time, I'm still allowed to go out and buy and drive and customize my own vehicle. Because to me, that's one of the beauty, one of the beauties of having your own car and and just being into cars in general is that it's your car it's your canvas you can do whatever you like with it and you know what i feel like there's definitely um a future for robo cars if you will right but i think both will exist though in the future i can't see it like you know what we have currently disappearing i'm just saying it will become a little bit more popularized that's all i'm saying right like it's just like uber Uber exists, but taxi still does, right? Traditional taxi is still there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Limo service is still there. So it's not like, you know, it's just market share. Yeah. And once once cars uh, drive themselves, which eventually they'll do, it's not going to be anytime soon, but uh, when, when they do, owning cars will make less sense, especially if you're doing stuff like commuting. Uh, it, it won't make sense to own your own self-driving car that will sit in your driveway and be idle for most of the time. If it could just be, you know, running around driving other people uh, places. So it's a really interesting thing to think about in the future. And uh, I've actually been thinking, I've got a, a final project, um, a final research project to do for um, uh, part of my engineering degree uh, at McMaster. And this research project will be uh, inquiry-based, and I hope to do it on uh, what the future may look like with autonomous vehicles and, uh, you know, subscription services and what that might do to uh, urban living and, and the way people run business and things like that. And so I'm, I'm actually really, really looking forward to doing that this year, and, and I, I can't wait to find out because I'm curious, and I really want to do the research anyways, so... Uh, 
I'll 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 keep uh, I'll keep you guys on the channel um, uh, updated with that project, and I hope that I can actually come with some results in the end. Yeah, and you know what? I think you've been quite successful with the automotive, um, you know, um, topic uh, within McMaster Engineering, right? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that two years ago, a year and a half ago, when actually Andrew actually participated in an engineering, um, you know, competition, and he was on top of the entire university? And this guy actually had an opportunity and got flown out to, all the way to the beautiful California and um, toward the Tesla plant, right? They paid, kind of paid for everything. You met some great people. Uh, you were able to see, you know, how the processes of the future of electric vehicles uh, kind of operated and um, all that good stuff. And honestly, I think that's a great great project for you, a uh, great topic for you, if you will. Um, you know, something you're passionate about, I'm sure. Uh, but also, again, you're very insightful in, and I think you'll be pretty successful with that, right? Like, it's it's perfect. So. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, hyping me up, George. <laughs> it was a great trip. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I love looking at this stuff, so... Um, yeah, if you guys have any opinions on uh, what the future of mobility and transportation look like, I think mobility is the new uh, buzzword. Am I right, George? It's all it's all mobility now. You yeah. know, it's not driving or yeah. transportation. Mobility. That's the word. Yeah. That's the new word. Uh, everybody's using it now. So if you guys have any opinions or uh, or want our opinions on anything to do with the future of uh, mobility, then. Definitely hit us up on uh, on Instagram, and maybe we'll have to do future episodes about it, especially if uh, if we get some positive feedback. But um, I think we might uh, wrap up for the day, George. Uh, you know this this episode. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. pretty late tonight for us, but uh, we're having a good time. So uh, yeah, until next time, guys. Thanks very much.